We're just going to jump right in this morning. Uh, we have some really good things to cover um, as we continue our series on worship this morning. I think it's so uh, just, it's just the Lord that uh, we did sing about God's goodness this morning because we need that. We need that uh, truth in us as we discuss the topic this morning, which is uh, worshiping when God says no. All right. No, no yays? Okay, all right. Um, yes, all right. All right, worshiping when God says no, all right? And here's the thing. When God says no, it is not just because he is good. It is because he is great that he tells us no. You know, we love when we're, when we're reading the Bible, when we come to church, when we're listening to sermons, we love, the, we love the stories, we love the messages about David slaying Goliath, right? Those get us charged. And, and we don't really remember the stories of David acting like an insane person, drooling from the mouth because he didn't want to be arrested or killed by this king. We don't want to talk about David living in caves and being pursued as a fugitive, trying to be killed by King Saul, right? We don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about the, the slaying of, the, of, of Goliath. When we talk about Moses, we love the parting of the Red Sea. We love him facing Pharaoh and the plagues coming, but we don't really want to talk about the 40 years that he was in the desert before that, right? Because those are hard things. But, but the truth of the matter is, y'all, that the Christian walk is a hard walk. It is incredibly hard. Amen. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But it is. It's very hard. And I, I love Alistair Begg says this. He says, the, the, the truth of the suffering of the Christian in the Bible is not seen in the fine print. In other words, it's out there. It's for us. That should be our expectation. It's not this, oh, well, you didn't see this. We snuck it by you. No, the Bible clearly talks about the, the hard walk of the Christian. Jesus even says himself, listen, the wide and many is the road to that path that leads to destruction, but narrow and difficult is the road that leads to righteousness, and few will take it. It's not, just, it's not just narrow, it's hard. And anyone that is telling you otherwise is trying to sell you something. I'm not trying to sell you anything, I'm trying to give you Jesus. But it's hard. And what we need to understand right off the bat is that when God says no to us, he is not rejecting us, and he is not abandoning us. And that's the beauty of when God says no to us. He doesn't just say no and say, all right, see you later. Good luck with that. He says, I'm right here with you. I'm telling you no, but it's for your good. It's for, it's for my glory, and I'm not going to leave you in this. It, I know that it's hard. I know that you're struggling. That's why I'm going to be right here with you in it. It is why it is so important that in the no's we worship the Lord because that is when we draw close to him and he can draw close to us. It doesn't change his answer, but it changes our heart and our attitude. So we're not after God to change his answer for us. We're, we're after God so that we can continue to live in peace with his answer that he has already given us. But it's a hard, it's a hard walk. And, and, and one of the reasons why is because, y'all, listen to this. We're not home yet. We're not home yet. 1 Peter 2.11 says, we're foreigners, we're aliens in this world. Like, do you get that? When we turn our lives over to Jesus, we are now aliens in this world. And as the world goes this way and says, you need to do this and you need to do that, and so we start to follow, God says, no, 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 no. That's not your path. This isn't your home. You go this way. You go this way. While at the same time, we have this inner conflict. Right? We have this inner struggle that Paul writes about in Galatians 5.17. He says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, 
which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Listen, the truth is, y'all, the truth is this. We should be thrilled that God tells us no. We have to have God tell us no because we have this sinful nature in us that every once in a while, a lot of times more often than not, gets the better of us and sends us going this way. And that's when God steps in and he says, no, no. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you go down that path. That's your sinful nature taking over. But my Holy Spirit is going to step in and I'm going to step in because... I am your good father, like we sang about this morning. Because I am good, because I am good, I'm going to say no. You know, the Bible says that we should crave discipline from God. We should desire that because it's evidence that God is in our lives. And discipline and no from God, it's not verbal abuse. It's him being in our lives, wanting what's best for us, wanting what's best for his kingdom, wanting glory, his glory in our lives. Because we are who we are, we need to be told no. As hard as that might be sometimes. And so we worship God not in spite of his answers over our lives, but because of his answers over our lives. We worship God because he says no. Not in spite of it. Because he's loving and he cares for us and he wants the best for us. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth. So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So of course he's going to tell us no. Because we don't think like him. We can't, we can't think as high as he does. Listen, y'all. God doesn't settle. He doesn't settle. Like, well, that's good enough. I guess that'll work. We can work with that. No, no, no. He, that's not the way that God is. Look at his creation. Do you think he settled when he created the things around us? Do you think the oceans and the skies and the seas were plan B? He gives the best. We're the ones that settle. When we try and go our own way, that's settling. But he loves us too much to allow us to settle for plan B, C, D, or E. He says, I want the best for you. I want the absolute best for you. And thank you, Jesus, for that. His no's don't change who he is, and they certainly don't change how he, feel about, how he feels about us. Don't take his no as rejection or abandonment. Take it as proof that he loves you so much. We're going to look at some examples this morning of God telling some people know in the Bible, just so you know that I'm, I'm not making this up. <laughs> Second Samuel 12, starting in verse 16. It says this, David begged. Everyone say begged. Yeah. David begged God to spare the child. It says he went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill, they said. What drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead, he asked. 
Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshipped the Lord. David begs God to save his child. And God says no. And David's response is to go into the tabernacle and worship. Was David happy with the outcome of his prayers and his fasting? Absolutely not. He was devastated. But he understood that in that moment, God did not change. God did not flip a switch and become a vengeful God, a hateful God, a God who was after him. He knew that in his mourning, he needed to go right to God because God was the same. He was a God that was going to be near. He was going to be a God who comforted him in his sorrow. And so that's where he went. He didn't wait. He didn't wait for the mourning to stop. He didn't wait for the grieving to stop. He ran to God so that God could help him with the grieving and with the mourning. He ran to God and he worshipped him. And then it says this, the story's not over. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. I will go to him one day. It's huge. Because listen, y'all, there is hope in the nose. There is hope in the nose. We get told no, there is hope. In this case, David's talking about life after death. He's talking about heaven. But I'm telling you all right now, there is hope in the here and now as well when we are walking in the nose that God gives us. There is hope that there is something greater. There is hope that God is doing something that we don't see and we don't understand. And you know what? Maybe we will never understand. But you know what? We don't have to. Our hope is that God knows what he's doing. And I have yet to see evidence that says otherwise. God knows what he's doing. That is the hope. But in this case, David says, I will get to see him again one day. And he's talking about heaven. I said earlier that we're not home yet. It's because this isn't our home. Our home is heaven. And you know what heaven is on one of the most basic levels? It is a big, fat yes. It is a big, fat yes to the point where simply, can I come in? Yes, because I know Jesus, because I am born again, and I am God's son, and you are God's sons and daughters, and now we are citizens of heaven. We don't need a passport, right? We don't need a visa. We belong there. And so when we get there, when you turn your life over to Jesus and you get to that place, the only answer is yes. And then it continues. Think about that. There's no more no's. God, can I have donut shop donuts for breakfast every morning? Can I have a chicken tender public sub mixed with buffalo sauce and ranch dressing for lunch? Can I have a big old fat juicy cheeseburger with the, with the, with the juice just running down, right? And fries and whatever Jesse wants to make for dessert that night and not gain a pound. Can I do it, Lord? Well, you're in heaven. Yes. All right. Can I have a full head of hair? 
that isn't gray so that people will stop coming up to me and telling me about my gray hair as if I haven't looked in the mirror in the last seven years. Can I have that, Lord? You're in heaven now, James. The answer is yes. Can the Jaguars win? You've gone too far. <sighs> Let's not get carried away. <sighs> when we get to heaven, it's all going to be yes, because you know why? Our wills and God's will are going to merge into one. There is not going to be, I'm fighting my will, I'm fighting my sinful desires. There's no more battle. And you know what the will is for his people in heaven? It's to worship him. It's worship so we're not even going to have to ask. We're going to know. And it's all yes. But for now, for now, where we are, where we're living right here in this place that is not our home anymore, for those that know Jesus, we have that struggle. And there's times where God has to tell us no. But there's hope in the no, y'all. Don't lose hope when God tells you no. I'm going to say that again. Do not lose hope just because God has told you no. It's because he doesn't want you to settle. It's because he's got something else for you that you could not ask, dream, or imagine. Rest in that truth that he knows what he is doing. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 6. If I wanted to boast, I would not... This is Paul talking. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged, everyone say begged, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best. In weakness. So here is the Apostle Paul in the midst of his ministry, and God gives him this thorn in his flesh, whatever that might be. There's all sorts of different ideas, but the purpose of it is this God is telling Paul, He's saying, Look, I've given you a lot, and there's a lot more to go, and I don't want pride to get in the way of your calling. And so I am giving this to you. And though you are asking for it to be taken away, I'm saying no, because check this out, y'all. There is protection in the no's. God is protecting Paul right now by telling him no. Because if I just give you what you want in this moment, pride's going to come in and it's going to ruin your ministry. And what's more important, your ministry or a thorn in your side? What's more important, people reading your letters 2,000, 3,000 years later or this thorn in your side that is very temporary? I am protecting you. And so many times we just want the comfort that awaits us in heaven now. And God's saying, I can't do it. I'm telling you no for your own good, for your own sake. But God, it hurts. That's okay. What would come later would hurt much, much more. What would come later is going to rob you of what I've called you to. I'm doing something in this no. I'm doing something with this thorn. Use it for my glory. Use it as a testimony. I'm protecting you. Listen, I, I want to I be very clear about this. 
God is not a jerk. Okay? Like, he's not. But I, I think there's, there's times when we actually, without saying those words that bluntly, that we, we, we think that. I don't, know, I don't know if any of y'all have uh, children in here. Not child, but children. Multiple. Were there siblings in the house? But they're great. I mean, amazing at being jerks to one another. There can be a toy that has been sitting in the corner of the house that has not been touched, thought about, played with in however long, right? Dust all over it. You've forgotten all about it. And the two kids, the siblings, are in the room together, and one of them looks at it and starts to approach this toy, right? And the other sibling sees it and is closer to the toy. Y'all know where I'm going with this? Like, they're going to jump up real quick and go over to that toy and I'm playing with this toy, right? And the, you know, the only reason that they did it was to be a jerk to their sibling. Like, well, I was going to play with that. No, I'm, I was actually going to play with this toy, right? No, I really want to. And then there's all chaos ensues. I'm not, that only happens in our house? No? Okay, thank you, a couple. Because they're jerks, right? That's us because we have a sinful nature. That is not God, y'all. He is not being spiteful by telling us no. He doesn't see our eyes fixated on something and go, you know what, I'm just going to take that from them because I just kind of feel like it today, right? Just because I want to. don't want to mess with them, mess up their day. It's not how God operates. He has a purpose and a plan behind every single no. And we might not see it, but we don't have to. Because there's hope in it, there's protection in it. And lastly, as we read in Matthew 26, verse 39, this is Jesus. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will be done, not mine. God is not picking on you by telling you no. If you've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, as a matter of fact, put up your hand if God's told you no. Just be honest. Okay, keep them up for a second. Y'all look around. Yeah, we got a few. I was like, can I move my foot too? All right. He tells all of us no. He even told his only begotten son no. God, can you just let this cup of suffering pass? No. I can't. Because the truth is, there is salvation in the nose. There is salvation in the nose. And if God told Jesus, no, who are we to get mad at telling God that he shouldn't say no to us? He told Jesus no so that we could be adopted into his family, called the sons and daughters of God, so that... He now has entrance to tell us no because he, loves for us, because he loves us and he cares for us and he wants the best for us. And he did that by telling Jesus no. And yet we run from it. We run from it, but the truth is that's, that's where our salvation is based on. Jesus saying, God, if there's any other way, there's not, I'm sorry. Okay and I'll do it. Listen, y'all, God loves us so much that he's willing for us to get mad at him 
in the nose. Because he knows what he's doing. He doesn't go, well, I don't, I don't want them to get mad. I really want them to like me. Like, no. It's worth it. So feel all the feels. But my no stays. My no stays. Job chapter 1, starting in verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking... A third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Verse 20. Job stood up. And tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. I'm going to say that part again. He fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Check this out. Praise the name of the Lord. And all of this Job did not sin by blaming God. Job was heartbroken. Heartbroken. Loss after loss after loss after loss. While the messenger was still speaking. It's like just a revolving door of bad news. His entire life wiped out in a moment. This is one of those like, you want to tell me? What's going on here? What is this no all about? But his only recourse is to worship. And what I find so amazing in here is when it says praise the name of the Lord, it's not praise, praise the name of the Lord, whatever. I, I guess praise the name of the Lord. I guess it's what I have to do. So whatever. It's praise the name of the Lord, exclamation point. Praise the name of the Lord. Job knew that in his weakness, he would be made strong. He was only going to get his strength in that moment by laying face down on the ground, worshiping, praising God for who he is. And he said, God, if it is, if it is my calling to suffer for you, if that's what you've put on me, praise the Lord. I'm hurting. I'm now alone. I've lost my family, I've lost everything, but you are still the same. You have not rejected me. You have not abandoned me. You are the same, just like we sang earlier. You are the same God, and I need you right now. And so I'm not going to run from you. I'm not going to take my ball and go home because I don't like what you're doing, and now I'm just going to be my own God. I'm going to fall face down on the ground, and I'm going to praise the name of the Lord exclamation point. 
not going to say it begrudgingly. I'm not going to say it sarcastically. I'm not going to say it with a gun to my head. I'm going to put an exclamation point on that sentence. Praise the name of the Lord. And the devil can go to hell. In the nose, when we choose to worship the Lord, there is victory in the nose as well. There is victory. Romans 8.18 says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. What we suffer now, and that includes Job, every little bit that we talked about with this road being hard and difficult and the world is going this way 100 miles an hour and God's saying, no, 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 I want you to go this way, but God, and we have this tug of war. Nothing compares to the glory that awaits us. Nothing compares to that big, fat yes in heaven. You know, when we get to heaven, what I want for me and what I want for all of us, I want us to be able to tell our war stories and say, look how I suffered for God. Look at this scar that I got from suffering for the Lord right here. Look at what I did, and we just start, you know, it's, I don't know if any of y'all have ever gone paintballing, but it, it, it's really about telling the story after the game. It's true. Like, you go, and you, ah, you get back, oh, man, and everyone's just telling stories for, like, 10 minutes. That's it. It's just who did what, and, and, and the guy that, that didn't really do anything, that just sat in the corner and never got shot, it's like, what did you even come here for, right? It's like you get hit, ow, and then, and then laughter ensues after that, right? It's like that pain in the night, joy comes in the morning. I think that's really paintball, right? We have this pain in paintball and then that joy afterwards where we're laughing and we're showing welts and all that stuff. That's earth and then that's heaven, right? It's a big thing of paintball. And it stings really bad when we get hit. But then afterwards, you get to tell those stories. It's a lot of fun. Maybe that's weird, but it's the truth, all right? I just came up with that analogy on the spot. Forgive me. Um, But yeah, what we suffer now, y'all, is nothing compared to the glory that we will be revealed to us later. God's saying you can't even compare it. It's like, listen, if you just stub your toe on the coffee table, I'm going to give you a Lamborghini. Right? I don't know. You can't even compare it. Listen to see if this sounds familiar to some of y'all in here. Psalm 73, starting in verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. In other words, it felt like they just kept getting told yes all the time while I was getting told no. Verse 4, they seem to, be, they seem to live such painless lives, which is a lie, Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They keep getting told, yes, God. Verse 5, they don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against against the very heavens, excuse me, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and, dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Here, here it comes, verse 13. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. 
Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. What a difficult task it is. Verse 17. Listen, pay attention here. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God. And I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Verse 21. Then... I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. And my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. So the psalmist comes into this saying, all I did was compare. And everyone else looked like they were living this great life of wealth and freedom and all those things. And all I did was keep getting told no, because I was trying to live right. And it wasn't fair and it was hard. And the no's are hard, especially when everyone else is doing so good. But what that other life is actually like is a life with no no's. With no accountability, no truth, no protection, no hope, no salvation. And it leads to destruction. That is what that life is. And so as the psalmist goes where? Into the sanctuary, into the house of God to worship the Lord. Then he realizes, wait, my heart was bitter. I was the one that was struggling. God revealed these things to me. That these no's weren't no's. They were protection. They were his love. And so rather than wanting all those things that those wicked people have, now I am content with the Lord. And he is mine forever. And that's all I will ever need. And where does it happen? In the sanctuary. In worship. Not out there. Not joining the race of the world. And getting all those things happens in the sanctuary where our eyes are open to who God is for us and in us and through us. He is hope. He's protection. He's salvation. He is victory. He is a God who loves us so much that he will tell us no because he wants the best for us. He is not a God that settles. Now the band come back up. We are going to worship. Maybe you came in this morning a little reluctant. Maybe you came in and you weren't able to put that exclamation point on that sentence. This is our time to draw near to the Lord like David did, like Job did, like the psalmist did, to go into the tabernacle, to go into the sanctuary, to fall on our face and to worship the Lord and thank him for the no's in our life. Real quick, let's, let's, let's do it again. For those that raised their hand earlier, how many of you are grateful that the Lord said no in your life? Right? Thank you, Jesus. And if you need reminding, I'm going to read one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible because I need it. Because I can get 
to where I, I think I can be my own savior and my own, my own Lord. And then I go back to this chapter and God reminds me who he is and who I am in light of him. And it's, I'm going to read all of it, all of chapter 38 and found in Job. This is God's dialogue with Job. It says, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the sur surveying line? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barrel, barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no further will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from? Where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all of this. For you were born before it was all created and you were so very experienced. Have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? I have reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble for the day of battle and war. Where is the path to the source of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Who makes the rainfall in the barren land in a desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass spring up? Does the rain have a father? Who gives birth to the dew? Who is the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice as hard as rock, and the surface of the water freezes. Can you direct the movement of the stars, binding the cluster of Pleiades or loosening the cords of Orion? Can you direct the constellations through the seasons or guide the bear and her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike you or to strike as you direct? Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched ground is dry and the soil has hardened into clods? Can you stalk prey for a lioness and satisfy the young lion's appetite as they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket? Who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out to God and wander about in hunger? You know, that's God putting us in our place reminding us who he is. But here's the most amazing thing that I want us to take from that. With, with God's power on display in this chapter, all of those things, what he is most passionate about is you. What he cares about the most is you. What he loves the most is you. There's evidence of that by him telling Jesus
for the rest of eternity, all I get to tell them is yes. But for now, it might be a no. No's can elicit all sorts of emotions, anger, frustration, confusion. Maybe we quit. Maybe we quit on God. So you know what, I, this isn't really what I signed up for. I'm about you being Savior, but I'm not really about you being my Lord. And so I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. I'm going to be my own God. But I believe what happens most when God tells us no, that battle is actually fear. Because we have this plan. We have this desire. Now God is telling us no. Those plans are gone. The unknown comes and we become afraid. There's no timetable, right? I wish there was because I'm going to tell you no until December 11th. All right, I can live with that. There's not. We have to trust him. We have to trust his no's for us have hope, protection, and salvation. God, he loves you. He has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He has not rejected you. He is certainly not been told no, and we will all be told no again until the day when we go into heaven and it's all a big fat yes. And that is going to be awesome. So we're going to stand and worship. If you're struggling with a no, especially dive in this morning. And we prayed already this morning, but I want to pray again for you all. If you're walking in fear, if it just seems like no over and over again, for you specifically this morning. So if we could have our elders come on up. And as the band leads us in worship, if that's you, if you need prayer, if you need encouragement, come up. Be like Job, y'all. This is not a time to, to look cool. Be encouraged. Stand in faith. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you. Thank you that you care enough about us to say no. Even when we think we know what's best. Even when it might make us mad at you. Even when it hurts us a little. Thank you for saying no. Thank you that there's hope. There's protection salvation in the nose, that you don't settle, that your ways are higher than our ways. You want the best for us. And your ways are perfect. God, be near to this. Remind us that we're not alone in this. Let us let go.